The future is a million little choices. Practice or play video games. Two hours in the gym or two hours at the movies. A little extra work or a little extra play. Reconcile or let the sun go down on your anger. Get up or push the snooze button again. Take a potential client to the game or take a kid from a broken home. Spend that bonus on yourself or give it to a ministry that reaches out to pregnant teens. If we could get a picture of the future, if we could jump ahead 10, 15, 20 years, and see the accumulation of our decisions, the chain of events we set in motion, how differently would we live today? How would we choose to spend our time? What would we walk away from? How would we treat the people around us? What would we choose to pursue with passion? Where would we choose to invest our skills and our resources? Your future is a million little choices. And it starts today. A million little choices that we make. If we could see 15 years down the... Just think about your age right now. 15 years down the road about what the choices we make today, if we could see somehow with a video or something would come over our computer or we would get an email and it would say, the choices you're making today, 15 years down the road, this is going to be the consequences of those choices you make. That would be great, wouldn't it? If we could just get that. If we say, God, I want, I'm, going to, I'm wanting to make this choice and God sends you an email and says, this is what's going to happen if you make that choice. That would be fantastic. But that's not the way it works. And so there's got to be a way when you're a Christian, and there's got to be some way that when we make a million choices, the million little choices that we make, that God's got to be able to speak to us, and we have to be able to rely on God. So when we make these million little choices... We do not have to worry about what happens 10 or 15 years down the road because we know that for the best of our ability at that time, we're making the choices that God would want us to make. All of us, all of us, all of us can look back on our lives and say, I wish I wouldn't have made that choice or I wish I wouldn't have said this. Now, if you're married, you say that a lot, especially if you're a husband. I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I would have done this. I wish. If only I would have done this. And yet we can't live in a life of regret because God doesn't want us to live in a life of regret. And the reason we don't live in a life of regret is this reason. 
It's because when we have Jesus Christ in our heart, we do not have to live in a life of regret because Jesus, at the foot of the cross, under the blood of Jesus Christ, has forgiven every, everything in our lives. Do you agree with that? And so if he's forgiven everything, we do not have to live in regret anymore because the guilt is gone. God has given us forgiveness. God has given us freedom through him dying on the cross. And so we do not have to live in that regret and guilt anymore. And yet we still are faced with a million little choices every day. And so how are we going to live? How are we going to do this? And James, and where we are today in James, he explains it to us. And that word is wisdom. There are two types of wisdom. There is earthly wisdom, and there is spiritual wisdom. And God is saying to us in this Bible study tonight, and from the book of James, God is saying to us, who is it, he asks the question, who is it that is wise in understanding? God is wanting us in our life, in the million choices that we make, He wants us to use His wisdom to be able to get through life. When we use God's wisdom to be able to make our choices and to get through life, what happens is we do not have to worry about 10 years down the road or 15 years down the road because we are doing what God is leading us to do. And so if we take our Bibles and turn to James, we're in chapter 3, and we're starting in verse 13, and we have just finished talking about the tongue last week, and now he's talking about wisdom. And so follow along as I'm reading verses 13 through 18 in James, and so we will be talking about spiritual wisdom. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, then willing to yield, then full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And then verse 18, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so there's two types of wisdom. There is the demonic wisdom the earthly wisdom, there is the godly wisdom. And the Bible is saying to us, and James is saying to us, for us to know if we are spiritually wise, that's the question tonight. My question to you and to me tonight is this, are you a spiritually wise person? Now we know that wisdom only comes from God, but the Bible here shows us some examples of what it means to be spiritually wise, to have spiritual wisdom. If you're going to have a million choices, it should be the desire of our heart as Christians to have the spiritual wisdom to be able to make the right choices. So every morning when we get up, we should be thinking to ourselves, God, 
please help me and give me the strength through the power of the Holy Spirit to make the right choices. Because there is a battle that is going on with wisdom. You have the earthly wisdom and you have the spiritual wisdom. And for us not to regret or worry about what's going to happen 10 or 15 years down the road, which none of us can see, then we have to learn to have a lifestyle of walking with spiritual wisdom. We need to be spiritually wise people. That, that is where we are. So, how do you know that you are spiritually wise according to James 3? And that's what we're looking at. Now, you know I've been hanging around John too long because I'm using an acrostic today. It's wisdom. But yet, at the same time that it's wisdom, it's very important that we look at how to be a spiritually wise person. I would, and you would feel the same way toward me, the way I would feel toward you, I would pray for you and you pray for me that we would be spiritually wise so none of us are going to make bad choices that are going to affect our life later. I think as a brothers and sisters in Christ, we should be like cheerleaders for each other. Amen? And since we're cheerleaders for each other, then we pray for one another to be spiritually wise. So I've taken wisdom, and I've taken James 3, and I've put together what it is, what, how we're supposed to know if we're spiritually wise. So we take an examination of our life tonight. Are you a spiritually wise person? I cannot answer that for you. I can answer it only for me. And yet the Bible gives us the wisdom, and the Bible gives us a way for us to look at our lives to see if we're spiritually wise. So the W in wisdom is this. To be a spiritually wise person, we will show it by our actions. And if you look in verse 13... Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by his good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. And so he's saying to be spiritually wise, there has to be good conduct and actions that are going on. We have just finished with James. Remember, we spent that whole Bible study about faith without works is dead. And yet, he comes back now in chapter 3, and he says that there is a conduct for spiritually wise people. Well, what is that conduct? Well, it makes me automatically turn to Matthew 5. So go ahead and take your Bibles, turn to Matthew 5. And, I, and, the, and Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 what it is like and what, it, what we should do in our lives to be spiritually wise people. So the first question is this. Do you want to be a spiritually wise person? If you do, the W is, we're going to show it by our actions. Do, do, you, do your actions to people, do your actions to other people show that you're a spiritually wise person? And it says in, in Matthew 5, let's just look at verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden. 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it in the stand and give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So in Matthew, Jesus is saying that for us to be spiritually wise, and if James is saying for us to be spiritually wise, we're going to have good conduct and that our works are done. Jesus in Matthew 5 says, well, how is that done? Jesus is saying, let your light shine. Jesus is the light of the world. And so if we ask Jesus into our heart, we therefore now have the light inside of us. And because the light's inside of us, we're going to let our light shine to people. And then, because of our good deeds, they're going to praise Jesus. So the first question, do you let your light shine? Do people see Jesus Christ flowing out of you? Is there a brightness about you? And the spiritual wisdom comes with the brightness that comes out of your life. Are you hiding that light by the way you act? Or because of your good deeds, because of what you're doing for God, people are looking at your life and people are saying to you, look at that person, I praise God because of that person. Now that's very difficult. See, we're supposed to be a different type of people. As Christians, we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to let our light shine. Have you let your light shine today? See, I'm not saying that's with a smile. I'm not saying anything in that way. I'm just saying that if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, He is inside of your heart, and there should be a light that is flowing from you, a radiance that's flowing from you, that when other people see you, there is a difference. And if you have lost that light, if somehow that light has been covered up because of sin or because of just circumstances in your life, I'm here to say that light's still in you. And Jesus wants you to ask him, God, let Jesus, let my light shine to people around us. Do your neighbors see that you're different? Do your coworkers see that you're different? Does the church see that you're different? How to be spiritually wise, let your light shine. Live for God. Love for God. See, in the society we live in today, and I'm sad that, that that's happened, but in many of our Christian lives, what happens, and it happens to all of us in this room, no one is exempt, is that sometimes we just listen to the world too much that we just get defeated in our hearts. We're defeated. We're defeated either by what the doctor said, or we're defeated by what we watch on the news, or we're defeated because somebody's angry with us, or we're defeated because we've had an issue. And Jesus is saying, listen, I want, to, I want you to be spiritually wise. And even though you have things that are going through your life, and even though you're going through some really rough areas in your life, I still want you to let your light shine. And I want people to be able to see that your life is different. And because they see that your life is different, they're going to praise Jesus. Do people praise Jesus because of my life? Do people praise Jesus 
because of your life. Well, to be spiritually wise, they will see your actions and they will praise God because of your actions. And the number one action that I think that all of us should use as Christians is exactly what Jesus commanded, and that is that we love one another. Do people see love in you? Do people see that there's a difference in you than all this world that we live in? Do they see a radiance and a difference that Jesus Christ is the light of your life? That's spiritually wise. That's how we're supposed to be in this world. And you know what? It's very hard. (laughs) But yet God says, I want you to be spiritually wise. And one of the ways is let the light of God shine through you. And then he says next, the I is this, interest in others instead of only yourself. Now, I'm not saying you're not supposed to take care of yourself, but in verse 14, it says this, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. It's saying that if you are thinking about yourself more than you're thinking about other people, then there's a danger there. That means you're living by earthly wisdom because the earth says this, before anyone else, you take care of yourself. You're number one. And in a sense, I understand taking care of yourself, but to the sense of what they're saying here, if there is any envy or self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. A good scripture to that says this in Philippians, let nothing be done out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Let each of you look not only for your own interests, but for the interests of others. So the Bible is saying to us, that we should do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but it says that we should be humble. We should have a lowliness of mind. Doesn't mean that you think you're worse than people. That means that you're humble before people, and because of that, you're going to lift other people up before you. The sign of spiritual wisdom is that when people leave the room, they are feeling better about themselves because they've been in your presence than when they entered the room. Do the people that you come in contact with, let's say your family, let's say your coworkers, let's say your friends, when they come into a room and they talk to you and they are spending time to you, do they feel better about themselves after they leave your presence than when they were when they first came in? You know, this world that we live in today is a tough world. This world that we live in today can eat you up. People are mean. People are cruel. People are bitter. People are angry today. There's got to be a solution to that. Because we all know that that only leads to pain and sorrow. And God's given us a solution. And that solution is how Christians love one another. God's given us the wisdom for that. God said to us, listen, let nothing be done out of selfish ambition, but in lowliness of mind, esteem others better than himself. That's saying this, that there are going to be some times 
when you can tear into somebody and you have every right to tear into somebody and you know exactly how to tear into somebody and you know exactly what to say to tear into somebody and there are going to be those times and it's about to even happen today, it might happen tonight, it might happen tomorrow and you're ready to go and yet the spiritual wisdom says this, don't do it. Selfish ambition. You just want to make yourself look good. The wisdom of the world says, just make yourself look good. You're better than those people. Selfish ambition and conceit. And you're just about to do it, and God says, ah, ah, ah. 10 or 15 years down the road. I bet some of you in this very room Still remember some of the things that have been said to you in your lifetime by friends and relatives, and it could have been 20 or 30 or 40 years ago, and it still is in your mind, and you still think about it sometime. And I'm just saying here, as a Christian, we should never be that person in somebody else's life. We should never be the person that 10 or 20 years down the road, they say, you remember that guy? Tom Gamble, he said this to me that time. He was the meanest person ever was. What he said to me was the cruelest thing that he ever could have done. No, none of us should be in that thing because all of us have been there. All of us remember somebody that has said something or somebody that has just torn out and got after us and said some really cruel things. As a Christian, we should never have interest of ourselves over the interest of others, especially when it comes to Helping that person walk with Christ. We have to be very, very careful with that. So that's the I. The S is this. We seek wisdom from the Word. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives it to you without reproach, and it will be given to him. Verse 15 says, this wisdom does not descend from above. Now this is verse 15 of what we're reading We had just read about bitterness and envy. And they're saying that kind of wisdom doesn't descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. And so this scripture is saying this. It is saying that we have to seek wisdom from the Word of God. That's why we need to spend time in the Word of God. And we need to ask. Now, this one about let him, those who lack wisdom, let him ask. That was from the very first Bible study that we had in this series of James when it's talking about when you're going through a trial that you need to ask God wisdom about how to deal with that trial so you'll handle that trial the way God wants you to handle it. Well, now we're getting to verse chapter 3 and where it's saying this, that you need to be able to understand that all this envy and self-seeking and boasting and lying, that wisdom doesn't descend from above That descends from the devil, and so there has to be some kind of wisdom that descends from above, and that wisdom is the Word of God. There's two types of wisdom. There is spiritual wisdom and earthly wisdom. The spiritual wisdom comes from the Word of God, comes from our prayer time, comes from the time that we spend with God. The wisdom from the earth comes from everything else. And so you have to be very careful 
what you let go into your ears. Because what goes into your ears is filtered through your mind. And eventually, if you listen to it enough, it goes into your heart. And we talked about that last week, about the heart and the mind. And you have to be very careful what you watch, because what goes through your eyes goes through your mind, and then it goes through your heart. Now again, have you all ever seen kids watching TV? You've seen them? Have you ever tried to talk to a little child watching TV? Can't do it, can you? Now, I'm not, I watch TV. We watch TV. You know, I remember the marriage conference that we had here at the church, and one of the things he said in that marriage conference is, you got to be careful, you know, to, to sit and watch. Well, Nikki and I have our favorite shows that we watch on TV, so we DVR them and then watch them later. And he says, you got to be careful just you and your spouse sitting watching TV. Nikki and I both look at each other and goes, works for us. <laughs> so... <laughs> But So we watch TV. We watch TV. But you know what TV does? Talking about how sneaky wisdom and what you get the wisdom from the world and spiritual wisdom is TV goes through your eyes and your ears and bypasses, bypasses your brain and goes straight to your heart. That's why you cry in commercials. And then when you think about it, you go, what was I crying for? Because it goes straight in your ears and your eyes, bypasses your brain, and it goes straight to your heart. That's what earthly wisdom does many times. Earthly wisdom will go and they'll try to get it straight to your heart because once it's in your heart, that's where there's life change. And the heart is the issues of life. That's Scripture. So in the heart, so that's why Jesus wants to come in and transform your heart. And so when you're having earthly wisdom and spiritual wisdom, the S is to seek wisdom from the Word. You're going to have to spend an awful lot of time in God's Word to be able to have the type of spiritual wisdom you need to have. That's just a fact. That's the truth. You need to spend time in God's Word. You need to spend time in God's church. You need to spend time in devotion. You need to spend time. And so I'm just throwing that out to understand, for you to understand, the more you put of God's Word in your life, the more spiritually wise we will be. But doesn't it also make sense, the more of this stuff we put in our mind, in our eyes, in our ears, it could transform us too. So it's a constant struggle in this world that we live in because we live in an earthly world. We live in a world that's controlled by the prince of darkness, and yet we've got to be spiritually wise. So as Christians, I'm just saying, examine the amount of time that you spend with the Word of God. And the more time you spend in the Word of God, and the more time you spend studying the Word of God, and the more time you spend listening to the Word of God, your life will be transformed in such a way that you will become more spiritually wise. I've heard a hurry. Okay, D is this. D is 
demolish destructive behavior. Now, we were looking at that because it says, for where every, for where envy, this is verse 16, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. It is saying in James that where there is envy and self-seeking. Now, self-seeking would be, I'm wanting it in my own way. And we'll read about this in, in chapter 4 later, when we have chapter 4's Bible study. But what James is saying is where there's envy. Now, envy is you wish you, know, you, wish you had something that somebody else had. And you, envy is a little bit stronger than jealousy in that you may even do something about it or it changes your attitude. And self-seeking is, I want it my own way. It's saying here that where envy and self-seeking is, every evil thing is there. It's not saying there's one or two evil things there. This is what the Scripture says. The Scripture says, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. And so whenever we want our own way, Whenever we get envious and we want our own way and we seek the wisdom of the world to get what we want, every evil thing is there. Can you imagine how evil every evil thing is? I mean, murder's evil. Stealing's pretty evil. Can you imagine how evil every evil thing is? That's what happens when we want our own way. You have become an avenue of every evil thing. That scares me to death. That scares me to death to think that when I become so self-centered that I want my own way and I have my own selfish ambition, it scares me to death to think that I'm becoming an avenue for every evil thing. That should scare all of us to death. And yet that's what he's saying. So spiritually wise people, we demolish destructive behaviors. The Second Corinthians says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down the strongholds. God can break any stronghold in your life. What is that stronghold in your life that you are keeping to yourself? And it says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so the Bible saying is that, that that God will bring every thought into captivity, and you bring every thought into captivity that's against the obedience of Christ. Pastor even used this in his Tuesday luncheon yesterday. And I was already using it, and so we're both using it, so God must want us to listen to it somehow. But it's saying here that you cast away every stronghold. God can take away every stronghold. What is it in your life that is keeping you from being spiritually wise that makes you just turn inward, makes you be selfish and self-centered? What is it in your life that is doing that? That's a good question. For me to become spiritually wise, I have to ask myself, Tom, what is it in your life that's keeping you self-centered and self-seeking? 
What is that? And then I need to cast away down that stronghold before God, and God can take care of that. Wow. (laughs) It takes a lot to be spiritually wise, doesn't it? But you know, you'll have peace. And then in the next one, the O for wisdom is this. The orderly pursuit of wisdom. The Bible just clearly in James 3.17 says that there is an order. There is an order for you to have spiritual wisdom. And so what I would do if I was wanting to have spiritual wisdom is start with the first and just take one at a time. And as I take one at a time, start working on it in my life. The very first thing is this, to be pure. To be a spiritually wise person, we must be pure. We must be pure in our thoughts. We must be pure in our actions. We must be pure in our attitudes. And so we have to go before God and say, God, where am I not pure? That's the first step. Next one, it says to be peaceable. The next one, it says to be gentle. The next one says to be willing to yield. Do you know what that means? That means this. It's what I was talking about earlier. There's just sometimes that it's better just to keep your mouth closed. Willing to yield. Yield to who? Yield to the Holy Spirit. I believe that there are many, many, many marriages that could have been saved in this world if the husband or the wife would have just stopped talking and let God handle the marriage. I believe sometimes we get in the way of God by wanting to get our way. And because we want to prove our point, every evil thing is there. And I just don't know how a marriage can last when every evil thing is there. I don't know how friendships could last with every evil thing is there. I don't know how churches could last when every evil thing is there. And so as Christians, we're going to have to be willing to yield to God and say, God, I want you to be number one. God, I want you to be the one that takes care of this situation. And then it says, full of mercy. We talked about mercy already. Mercy is just being able to have empathy for people, to care about people. And then it says, of good fruits, and then without partiality or hypocrisy. Now, we did that in chapter 2. That's just saying for us to be spiritually wise, there is a wisdom. There is an orderly pursuit, and God is wanting us to pursue. Now, you know what pursue means, don't you? It doesn't mean just, okay, I'll go and be kind of, you know, clean your room. You go clean your room. Okay, I'll go clean my room. Okay. That's not what it means. Pursue means I'm going after it. And to pursue spiritually wisdom, to be spiritually wise, pursue, number one, to be pure. That's our first goal. Pursue that. Work on that in our lives. And then God starts giving us wisdom. And the M is just verse 18. I mean, it just is make peace. A spiritually wise person makes peace. Hebrews 12 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness with which one will seek the Lord. Romans 12, 18 says, If at all possible, as much as depends on you, live peacefully with all men. 
Now, I know we all understand that. We understand people aren't, sometimes people aren't peaceable to you. But I'm just saying, the Scripture's saying, is all possible, just live at peace. Makes peace. It's a person that makes peace. Because Jesus is the prince of what? Peace. And if Jesus is the prince of peace, he wants his children to be peaceful to people. That's how they've come to know the Lord. Through your love and through the peace. And so, do you want to be spiritually wise? The Bible tells us right here in James how to do that. I really want to be spiritually wise, but I got a long way to go. Where are you all? What do do we need to work on as Christians? That's the question of the night. What steps do we need to take? What steps do you need to take? What steps do I need to take to be a spiritually wise person? So I don't have to worry about 10 or 15 years down the road and the million little choices that I make every day. God, help me to be a spiritually wise person in the million little choices that I make every day.